0: Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today.
1: Stand by for an urgent message from the crack team at Stacking Benjamins. Live from Joe's mom's basement, it's the Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and the end? You say the end? Does it sound like this is the end if we're joined by CBS business analyst Jill Schlesinger Will Jill end five things we should have learned on a high note? Will Joe and OG end the year with their best headlines ever about bonds? Will your own Ben Z crush it as our final headlines expert of the year? Or will I end my trivia segment with an answer about champagne that's sure to pop your cork? It's our year-end episode, and baby... We're just getting warmed up with two guys who are ending their year with noisemakers and funny hats, Joe and OG
0: wears funny hats, but we just call that Monday. That has nothing to do with New Year's. But today is Monday. I know. That's what I'm saying. I wear my hat for Monday. It's Exactly it has nothing to do with new year's right but the noisemaker thing that's fun
2: yeah, i was gonna say that's my favorite part is the noisemakers because you always end up leaving a couple of them out and the kids find them first thing in the morning You're like, oh please please no
0: please no i was just thinking isn't that what you call your kid at the end of nap time the noisemaker <laughs> yes you know just like oh no the noisemaker's up Hey, everybody. Welcome to Parenting for the Win podcast. I'm Joe Salci. Hi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And across the card table from me, one last time for 2018, it is Mr. Other Guy, or as we call him, OG.
2: Happiest of New Year's to you and yours. You're getting ready to pack up the basement, helping mom.
0: Isn't that crazy? Look at this place. Tomorrow
2: morning, the the truck arrives,
0: huh? uh, Well, the truck arrives this afternoon and uh, the truck leaves tomorrow morning at 7 a.m. The funny thing's going to be, uh, taking the cat across country—that's mm-hmm. that, going to be the fun part.
2: You should just put him in one of those boxes in that pod thing that you've got. <laughs> we we should—it's have. a surprise. You just poke holes in it and leave a whole bunch of food. That's a
0: lot, lot, lot of food. Oh, that would smell great, wouldn't it? <laughs> be just, be just. You amazing. open that
2: pod in like March when you finally get to that part of the uh, basement to fill up. Open it up.
0: You know it has no. S- you know it has no smell. But is amazing in your email inbox, the stacker OG, because starting tomorrow, we reboot the stacker. And if you want to get in before the year begins to get 52 money lessons, com forward slash stacker direct to your mailbox all year long. And guess what? Let's say you don't want it to your come to your mailbox anymore. All you do is hit the unsubscribe button. You can unsubscribe whenever you want. It's always going to be free. You'll get all the stuff going on in the basement and 52 money lessons. Stackybenjamins.com forward slash stacker. We've been working hard on that thing. It is uh, exciting that that's going to happen starting next week. Well, later this week, I suppose, right? Jill Schlesinger's here from CBS. Jill on Money was always my favorite podcast, the better off podcast also that Jill does. Exciting stuff. Jill goes on my runs with me a lot. Mm-hmm. So Weirdo. <laughs> I bet Jill could run fast because Jill's pretty tall. Pretty tall.
2: I never got into the running thing. Sorry, I just have to run faster than you for a short period of time to outrun the bear, which well, I can do.
0: Well, let's let's. Oh, do you do
2: you remember that funny story about us doing the five k together?
0: <laughs> the one five k we did together.
2: Yes. We at should talk de- about that at the
0: Detroit Zoo. Yeah, that was we should fun. Talk about that, maybe we will. All right. We got Jill Schlesinger here. We got your own Ben Z on uh, my dad's shortwave. So let's get this party started.
3: Hello darlings. And now it's time for your favorite part of the show. Our stacking Benjamin's headlines.
0: Our first headline comes to us from Yahoo Finance. China sees bankruptcy surge. Bondholders may get less back. I thought this is a good lesson OG for people wondering about bonds and how they work. Recently, Jack, Bogle has been in the news talking about maybe you want to buy some bonds. So interesting stuff. China's effort to cut the burden of insolvent companies weighing on its slowing economy has kicked into higher gear with a slew of bankruptcy filings that's set to enrich the case history of debt resolutions for bond investors. I like that. It's set to enrich the case history of debt resolutions for bond investors. Bond investors in China getting a front row seat on exactly how this all works. (laughs)
2: Local courts... Not the way you think.
0: No. Local courts have accepted or plan to accept at least five bankruptcy applications from firms that defaulted on publicly issued bonds since early November. That's roughly on par with the numbers seen over the previous four years. The new pace may continue. China's top planning body called on December 4th for local officials to clean up the debt of firms with excess production capacity or insolvent balance sheets by 2020. The bad news is that some bondholders may find they're going to get less back from defaulted issuers than they anticipated. The good news, there's likely to be swifter resolution once court procedures take over from ad hoc workout negotiations. And the process will give both creditors and debtors the chance to gain experience in restructuring obligations little more than four years after china began embracing the concept of defaults in the world's third largest bond market quote bondholders could face considerable losses after bankruptcy proceedings but what is more important is that they can learn how to fight for their rights via the legal system and how to choose among debt proposals said ivan chung an associate managing director at moody's investor services in hong kong last thing i want to do and i'm uh, bondholder is learn how debt obligations and the legal system work. That's like, oh, I get an opportunity. Is that is that clearly like a glass is half full approach? Well, hey, there's good news, OG. You lost most of your money, but now you get to see how the legal system works when it comes to bonds.
2: Such a great opportunity to learn exactly why you don't invest in
0: bonds. So let's talk about this because the one thing that's always touted with bonds Is that if the economy continues to stumble and Mm -hmm. companies start to go bankrupt, the great news about bonds is that you are in line ahead of shareholders, ahead of people that own the company. So why isn't that phenomenal? Why wouldn't we be looking to put all of our portfolio in bonds right now?
2: Well, it's the same thing because you trade away when you have less risk, albeit in this example, there's still a lot of risk. Sure. But but when you trade away the risk, uh, you trade away opportunity for return. The reason that I have such a hard time with the idea of fixed income, especially just the blanket statement of, hey, I'm close to retirement, I should be conservative, is just simply because of the time frame that the money still has to go. You know, if you're 60 years old or you're 55 years old, certainly you look at the last couple of months of stock market returns, you go, holy cow, that just wiped out an entire year, or in some cases a year and a half worth of gains. Maybe I should be much more conservative because I'm close to retirement now. Maybe you've got 10 years to go or something. And that's true in that you need money in 10 years from now. So you definitely need a bucket that has a 10-year time horizon on it. But if you're 55 or you're 50 or you're 65, you also still need money that's 35, 40, 45 years away from being used. And when you look at the compounded returns of fixed income compared to inflation – Compared to large companies and small companies, it's a no-brainer. After inflation, fixed income returns about three percent. Big companies return about six or six and a half, and small companies return nine. So it's a th- two to three times multiplier in terms of annual return.
0: That's the big key. I want to lock in there for a second. People go, "Well, that's only three four percent rate of return difference." That's a, that's a thirty three percent higher return.
2: Yeah, yeah, double in some cases. So I mean it's I mean it really is quite a profound difference. And because it's really hard for us to mentally imagine compounding in our minds like writing it out, I encourage you to just take a spreadsheet and write out thirty years of three percent growth versus thirty years of seven percent growth on the same amount versus nine percent and see what the difference is. You'll be amazed at the at the impact of the compounding on top of the compounding.
0: This piece says, and given it's in China that they're talking about in this particular piece, but in the US, it hasn't been, in my experience, it hasn't been that much different when they say that bondholders are going to get back a lot less than they thought. I can't think of a bankruptcy where management didn't make sure that the slate was pretty damn wiped clean by the time they were done. You know, by the time they declare bankruptcy, the bondholders were gone, too. I kind of think that this idea of being a bondholder is safer because you're closer to the front of being paid versus shareholders versus people that own stock in the company. It's a little bit of a mirage.
2: Well, and just think about the process of bankruptcy, too. Yeah, you're in line, but you're also not the front of the line. You're behind the guy that lent them money for the building or the construction equipment or whatever the case may be secured bondholders are going to be able to go take the thing that they that they lent the money for. So so if you're a bank and you said, I'll give you $100 million for a new factory, and then they file bankruptcy, well, the bank just gets to own the factory. Now, it might be not worth $100 million, but they have something to show for it. You still, as a regular bondholder, are not necessarily... You don't get to go into the company and say I'm owed ten thousand dollars worth of stuff, so I'll take uh, that <laughs> computer and you know that copy machine and that ream of paper. It doesn't work that way, and so bankruptcy filings take years, especially big companies, right? Take yeah. years and years and years to to work through the system. You know, you've got this thing that is supposed to be nice, safe, and secure, and now it's up in the air for a decade. I mean, think about the 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 largest bankruptcy, Lehman they just finished like they just finished the final deal with Lehman brothers
0: over 10 years Uh, ago.
2: Yeah. So yeah, those people got some money, but it was a decade later. So
0: I think that's a good uh, one-on-one primer for bondholders. Well,
2: and the biggest thing is, is, you know, if you need to have fixed income for your risk tolerance or your risk profile, that's totally fine. Not sure that you want to have individual bonds You probably want to focus on bond funds and hopefully diversify away a little bit of this risk that we're talking about here.
0: And in our second headline this New Year's Eve, This comes to us from TechCrunch, written by Sarah Burr. The Apple Watch can detect diabetes with an 85% accuracy, cardiogram study says. According to cardiogram founder Brandon Bollinger's latest clinical study, the Apple Watch can detect diabetes in those previously diagnosed with the disease to an 85% accuracy. Obviously, there's been a lot of work done in this area, OG, and I thought that we should talk to somebody about this because it made me wonder does that actually mean that if we have this information and maybe we're really healthy, should we maybe give it to our insurance company and get a better rate? On My Dad's Shortwave, we have the CEO from Haven Life, our good friend, your own Ben Z. Happy New Year, man.
4: Happy New Year. It's great to be here with you.
0: What happens at the Ben Z house on New Year's? I bet you guys get crazy, like maybe bring out some actuarial tables and peer through them or what's what's the exciting <laughs> thing you do?
4: <laughs> yeah, my uh, my seven-year-old, my nine-year-old love the actuarial table. So. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, um, I can't say that we do much exciting other than uh, sit around together as a family and uh, hang out and watch some TV. But I have a feeling I'm not the only family guy who does that.
0: Well, you are a guy who obviously... <laughs> Obviously, I'm sure would have something to say when it comes to giving uh, insurance companies your data. I know that car insurance companies, as you know, your own, if you put something underneath your dash that will show how you drive, you might get a discount. What do you think about giving health companies or life insurance companies like yours your health information?
4: Uh, Yeah, I, I think it's a really interesting question and obviously a new one that the industry is struggling to figure out. And I should say that in general, most insurance companies or insurers when they write a policy for you at the time that you're applying they get a lot of information about you right so during part of underwriting they need to know all about your health so i think the question now that some of these new programs are posing is how much additional information do you want to share with them after you get your policy right and that's kind of what's new here uh, i should say too just to be clear that we don't do this and uh Mass Mutual, which is the company that our policies are on Uh, doesn't do this today, but I think it's a really interesting question. My view is, it's obviously an individual preference, how much information that you want to share. But as you make that decision, I think there's two things that a customer should be really clear about. One is, what information are you giving up and how often? And the second thing is, what are you getting back for that information?
0: In other words, what type of a maybe price discount would I get back or maybe um, additional services from the policy? What types of things?
4: Yeah, exactly. I think the big thing is, if it is some kind of value-added benefit, I think the question is, what is that, right? You might get additional discounts at, I don't know, third parties or whatever they're promising or offering. And I think the even bigger question is, what is the impact to my policy price or premium, right? And I think that's a really interesting one to understand, not just in terms of, am I going to get a discount, but I think even relative to a policy that doesn't have this feature that I may be being asked to share additional information, how much of a price discount am I getting relative to that?
0: It's my understanding. And one of us here on the phone knows uh, insurance law way better than the other one. <laughs> so, so I'll ask you this, but I think, but it's my understanding that after Haven life or another company quotes me a price for insurance, the worst case scenario, which is that it turns out that maybe I'm not that healthy after what is it your own in a lot of States, a two year period my rate's locked in. Is that true or is that not true?
4: Yeah, that's right. I, and actually, I would say your your rate is generally locked in once your policy is issued. So after you go through underwriting, the two-year period is what's called a contestability period, which is an insurance company has the ability during that two years to kind of come back to you and say, hey, we think maybe you weren't really honest with us and kind of contest anything that you said or that was found in that first two years. After two years, it's locked in, if you will, even more than that. So I think these programs are new in the sense that some of them at least are kind of positioning this as your price may fluctuate or, or change or get better based on your healthy behaviors that we see in future periods.
0: I guess in a roundabout way that answers my, my other indirect question, which is, would there be any way after a couple of, well, would there be any way that they could raise my policy rate after, you know, a company saw data that they didn't like from my smartphone?
4: I think that's a question, right? It depends how they structure the program, but you know, one of the interesting things about discounts, and I'm not talking about any one program in particular, but I think if you think about it from a customer perspective, One of the challenging things about potentially getting a discount is that if that discount goes away, it can start to feel like a price increase relative to what you previously expected, Uh, right? And so I think how you kind of position that and what's required of customers in order to continually get that discount is really important to understand so it doesn't feel like a price hike to you as a customer. So it feels like, oh, this really was a discount.
0: Generally speaking, though, I would think getting away from giving this information to a life insurance company or to another type of insurance company to your own, I bet you're, you're a guy that would be all for these things. Because I would think that somebody that monitors their health more often, I would guess statistically, is probably going to be a little healthier person.
4: Yeah, I think that's true in the sense that uh, in some ways these programs attract the people who are already really good at monitoring their health. And so they tend to be healthier, right? That's not a bad thing, but I think kind of broadly the other question is how can we kind of use these programs to also help people who maybe aren't quite as healthy? I think that's one of the big questions. And I think, you know, to me, the the really big underlying question to all of these things is we did a survey to ask people because we were kind of interested in the topic, even though we don't run a program like this today, we were kind of interested. And so we said, how would you guys feel about this as customers? And one of the interesting things that came out is that 42% of the people who we surveyed actually said that, well, you know, the real reason why insurers are doing this is because they just want to figure out ways to reduce the number of claims they have to pay. (laughs) And so I think underlying a lot of this is kind of this question of how do you create this program in a way that builds trust with customers who might be a little um, hesitant to share their data and to trust the industry right now?
0: Well, on that note, my last question is this. 2018 was uh, quite a year of change for Haven Life. You guys accomplished a ton this last year. You know your own Nobody Listens to the Show, so can you maybe share a couple secrets about what's to come in
4: 2019? <laughs> well, I've been on the show enough times to know that that's not true. <laughs> <laughs> so I can't, I can't share any big secrets, but I will say that we've got some exciting stuff coming, and we'll definitely share it with you and uh, you know your listeners early.
0: Your own Ben Z from Haven Life. Happy New Year, man! And we'll talk to you again in two
4: thousand nineteen. Thanks so much. Happy New Year.
0: Thanks to Your Own for spending a little bit of his New Year's Eve with us. Interesting conundrum. I mean, if you're somebody who's pretty fit, OG, and you've got your Fitbit, you're walking a lot mm-hmm. of miles. You're like, hey, why wouldn't I get a discount on my on my insurance? But Your Own brings up a lot of interesting points.
2: Seems like a lot of downside for just a few bucks of upside.
0: Yeah, maybe, like he said, maybe. Who knows? Know exactly what you're getting into ahead of time. Yep. Good stuff. I think that's uh, lesson number one. Lesson number two is uh, thinking about bonds versus stocks. Uh, maybe the excitement of learning how the legal process in China works.
1: <laughs> <laughs>
0: is it at worth least,
2: At least on your investment statement, you can see the market going up and down <laughs> with bonds. You just, you know, it's gone.
1: Yeah.
0: She is one of our absolute favorite people, and I'm so glad that she's going to spend a little bit of her New Year's Eve with us. Jill Schlesinger is a CBS business analyst you see her all the time on uh, CBS News. You'll also hear her show, Jill on Money on the Radio, and her podcast, Better Off, uh, wherever you're listening here to Stacking Benjamin. She's got a new book coming out in February. I think we're going to have her on again, by the way, to talk about that. But today, she's bringing it, Things We Should Have Learned from the Events of 2018. One of my favorite segments every year, but this year, I'm sure it's going to be better than ever because Jill Schlesinger doing it with us. Let's say hello to Jill. And walking down the stairs to the basement, the last person to walk down the stairs in 2018, Woo! Jill Schlesinger. How are you?
5: I am so great. I am so delighted to be with you. I had to duck down as I came down because, you know, I'm a big, tall Amazon and low ceilings here. Wow. How tall are you? You know what I would say to people is that when they would meet me, they'd say, how do I know? Like I'm meeting in a spot. How will I know it's you? And I usually will say, I am the tallest Jewish woman you've ever met. <laughs> now um, <did> you- <laughs> and, and I'm not, I mean, because of course, Nancy Lieberman is, was like a great player and the few, but I'm 5'11", which is pretty tall.
0: That is. Now, you, were you ever able to use that to your advantage, Jill, like basketball, any of that stuff in college?
5: So in college, I played soccer and lacrosse. I played soccer and basketball in high school. But also I was able to use that to my advantage when I was a trader in the commodities ring in the gold options pit, because I could see over a lot of people's heads. So being tall, if I were a little bit bulkier, like if I were a rugby player, I would have been able to trade crude oil. But because I was a little too slight for that pit, they like ah, You're an options person. You're a math head. Go into the options ring.
0: Well, you know, you got to bulk up, Jill. You had to bulk up and you didn't do it. So I didn't do it. There you go. Uh, And one more thing before we get started on the things we should have learned this year. Big plans tonight, New Year's Eve.
5: What happens for New Year's Eve is really essentially that it's, I consider it, amateur night. That people go out and spend way too much money on a meal that will probably have rotten service. So in our family, we are hunkering down, ordering in, and we're trying to get through all of Game of Thrones before it restarts in April. So we are done with season five. We've got to get through season six and seven. How many episodes of that show can we watch over the next few days? What do you think?
0: You sound like you're hurrying, like, you know,
5: winter's coming or something. Winter is coming. Don't forget it, (laughs) mister.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, that's what's going on at the Schlesinger house. Let's talk about this last year. You know, the year kind of ends on a delightfully bumpy ride. Let's put it that way for the stock market. Is that the biggest lesson this year is uh, the stock market doesn't always go up?
5: I don't know if that's the biggest lesson. I would say that just in talking about the stock market, what I would say is that volatility is the lesson. And, you know, we had two corrections this year after going quite some time without having one. I think that it is so unnerving to people to see markets go up and down and they get lulled into this weird sense of security. But I think that this market has really started to display some bits of exhaustion. And as you come to the end of bull markets, what will happen is they get twitchy. And this is the trader in me talking, not the financial planner. And what I see in this market is it's getting a little tired and so it'll get whacked around a little bit. When, in fact, I don't know. I mean, look, maybe it'll keep go back up in 2019. Maybe we'll have a great 2019 and a rotten 2020. Here's what I know. Every time we've had corrections, every time we've gone into bear markets, the people who bail out, freak out, and abandon their game plan really pay terrible prices. The people who stick to their game plans, who really stay true to their their long-term visions, their goals, their objectives, and don't mess around with their portfolios, they seem to do very well. It's funny. In about mid-December, someone sent me a note. The subject line was, stocks are on sale. And the and the message was, how come when we get like a pre-holiday discount at a retailer, we're psyched, but when stocks go on sale, no one seems very happy.
0: I know every online forum is talking about, should I panic? Should I panic? Yes, you should panic and run into the store and go buy it.
5: Although I'm going to tell you this. I, this is a great story. My mom, uh, when I was during the financial crisis, I was starting to be on national TV a lot more. And um, I would say, don't panic. And my mother says, don't say that. I said, why not? She goes, because I am panicked. Now tell me, like, acknowledge that I feel horrible and scared and then tell me what to do. So after that, this was like mid 2008, I would always go on the air and say, I know you feel like you want to panic. I know this is how you feel here's what I think is the best idea. And I think that those emotions are very important for each of us to acknowledge. It's okay to feel crazed in this moment, but what's not okay is to act on those feelings and do something that's counter to your own best interests.
0: So where do you start then? I mean, if we've got a market that's, let's say it does bounce around some more, Jill, in 2019 or worse, doesn't bounce around, it goes down more. What's the strategy?
5: I think the strategy always is to go back to your game plan. And so, and I always think about this, and I think the people who have financial plans working with either the right software or the right individuals as their financial planners, that these people can often weather the bad times because what they do is they go back and they say, okay, my plan did not contemplate that I should make money in the stock market every single year for 25 years. It contemplated that I would save money, I would stay out of trouble, I would not necessarily blow up my plans when a year when the market went down. We always expect that there will be bad years, there'll be corrections, and there'll be bear markets. Then when they come, we seem to be quite surprised by it. And it's, it's very funny. It's sort of like saying, this is the ocean. Some days the ocean's really calm. Some days the ocean churns up. And every day, the ocean is moving. Every day, markets are moving, okay? And some days, you're going to get crushed by one of those waves, and it's going to be really scary, and you're going to relax, and you're going to remind yourself, hey, when someone taught me how to swim, they said to relax, not to swim against it. And you know how to do this. So I think when you start a new year, the best thing you can do is, hey, I have not kicked myself in the butt, and I've not done a financial plan that helps me stay out of trouble when markets move around. I'm going to do that. That's what
0: I'm going to do. I need to just apologize to everybody. Mom always decides to start doing work in the background whenever we record. I have no idea why it is, Jill. Happens mm-hmm. every time. Decides that there's, you know, it just life has to go on in a house. Of course. When you record at the basement, that's, that, that's what happens. Well, that You're
5: was the, subject <laughs> to the whims. That's right.
0: That was a big elephant in the room there, though. Obviously, the market, everybody's wondering there. So thank you for that. But there must have been some other things we should have learned from from this year. What do you think those would have been?
5: Let's just dovetail on the markets. Let's all pinky swear that diversification works over the long term, but not always. And what do I mean by that? Back in 2015, back in 2008, we saw a lot of different asset classes moving in tandem. Honestly, if you think back to why are you, why do you have diversified portfolios? Why do you do asset allocation? It's because when something zigs, another thing zags. But this is a year like 2008, 2015, and now 2018, where we saw a lot of assets moving sideways down at the same time. And I think that that can really, it can encourage people to try to pick what the best next asset class is going to be. And that's really hard to do. So I think the dovetail on the market story is that when you look at your portfolio, you might have said to yourself, gosh, why didn't everything else, like if stocks did rotten, why didn't everything else do well? Don't abandon asset allocation just yet. My next big picture thing that I think is really important is that the Federal Reserve still really does matter. We had rate hikes this year that were expected. And every time I pitch a story for CBS News and I say, I want to talk about the Federal Reserve, they're really like their eyes glaze over. But, you know, there's probably no other thing besides interest rates that impacts every single American. Either you're a borrower. Or you're a saver, right? I think that the benefit of rising rates has not been talked about as much, and that is that savings, checking, money market, CD rates, everything's higher. Like what a what a joy to go onto one whatever website you like to use, whether it's bank rate or deposit accounts or whatever account you want to use, ever, any aggregating site. What a joy to go and see two percent for a money market account. 3% for a two-year C D, two percent for a checking or that's amazing. And I love that because that's risk-free money. And so people are still hiding out in these, you know, terrible old accounts that pay nothing. So I wanna just encourage everybody to look at the upside of rising interest rate environment.
0: I, I shouldn't ask you to look into the crystal ball, but do you think that trend's gonna continue? We're gonna see rates continue higher in 2019.
5: You know, I take Jerome Powell, the new Fed chair, at his word, which is, I really think this is data dependent. And I've tried to nose around and ask people who know him and know other Fed officials and read the tea leaves. I think that, look, the Fed's got essentially three big jobs, okay? So the biggest job the Fed does, it's got to regulate banks, right? So they've got to make sure that these banks are not going to take us under again, but the second part, and is, which is around monetary policy, is they've got to keep interest rates at a level at which you can have a strong enough economy to have growth in the labor market and not too strong as to create inflation. That's a hard job. So what other lesson did we learn in 2018? If you give big companies a huge tax cut, they are going to help the economy grow more. And that's what happened, right? So we had more growth in 2018. As 2019 rolls around, I think growth is going to taper off a little bit, but that doesn't mean that the Fed's going to necessarily stop. They're going to keep an eye on all the incoming data. They're going to watch to see any signs of inflation. They may not do it at their first meeting, or maybe they'll do another quarter. Maybe they'll do, but they're. I think they're going to be on a wait and see policy in 2019. We're at a very a tenuous moment in the economy, and I think they're going to be watching that.
0: Yeah, Very curious to see what happens next. What mm-hmm. else is in Aunt Jill's bag of tricks from 2018?
5: Um, so I think the labor market has been awesome. I cannot begin to tell you how shocking it has been to see the economy adding over 200,000 jobs a month on average. This is the 10th year of the recovery, gang. This is awesome. Unemployment rate at you know, almost 50-year lows. And finally, wages are edging higher. They're not back to where they were. I went back and started to look at a lot of different areas of the world and and some like near you, like there were some, there are some places that were industrial giants in the Midwest or on the East coast that really have not recovered in a way that you would have hoped to have seen. Right. And I think the reason for that is that whole industries got wiped out. And so those people who are making more money, they're not going to say, I feel as good as I felt in 1997 because they probably don't. Right. But people are feeling better. And that's really a good sign. It's, it's, we're not all there yet, right? But it's good. One thing that I would say that at 2018, that may be like the big story that moved markets, got the Fed perked up, got people freaked out in the labor market is the entire conversation around trade and tariffs. That I never really would have anticipated. Like when when President Trump came into the year and they started talking about trade policy, I don't think that most economists thought that we were going to see 10% on imported aluminum tariffs, 25% on steel, 25% on $50 billion worth of Chinese goods. It's another 10% on a 200 billion, picking fights with the European Union and Canada and Mexico to boot. All of this, I think, is going to bear watching in 2019. But this is a very unique year for the U.S. economy precisely because of the trade policy. It
0: seems with all these things, not just the trade policy, but getting back to also job growth, it's a great time to get your plan in order, it seems like, because if you finally have a job or you finally got the raise that you want or you know, you're worried about interest rates going up, it sounds like plan for the win
5: overall. Yeah, and I think that people who really look ahead and start to do some planning, I know it's hard to do. And it's certainly hard to do when there's a lot of other things that are competing for your attention. I get that. But I also think that there is a psychic and emotional payback that is amazing. It was funny. I was just I was on Reddit just reading because I was reading up on um, uh, services that I thought were interesting to buy, and I was thinking that you know there are some people who like want to pay for a trainer at a gym, right? And they pay for that trainer. I'm sure that they could go on YouTube, watch a ton of videos, and learn how to do things. And there are other people who like me who pay a trainer to meet them at the gym simply to guarantee that my tushy will end up in the gym twice a week. That is so and me. That, I mean, like, because you, know, you have to know yourself. And I was thinking about this because I was reading some comments about someone who wrote about a, a paid budgeting service. One of the comments was, I'm pretty sure I could do this myself, but actually paying for it and having a platform where it keeps me in check. Is what is more valuable because when I do it myself, I do it once and then I let it fall off. So I think that we all have to kind of get real with ourselves. What is it that's going to keep us on track? That's the piece. So if you can do that planning work and I again, not everybody needs an individual trainer or an individual financial planner. Some people do. There are some really great resources out there. There are some places where you can pay up a little bit and get the advice you need to at least get you on the right footing feeling that security, that's really the key because we can be our own worst enemies. And I, I feel terrible when I hear people call the show and they get all freaked out. And I think, damn, you know, if I'd spoken to you like literally two years ago, I could have prevented this from happening. So, you you know, know yourself, get help if you need it. But if you, if you don't, there's amazing resources out there.
0: I heard a rumor. I don't know if it's true Mm -hmm. that in 2019, there might be like this amazing financial bestseller coming.
5: You know what? There is certainly a financial book written by Jill Schlesinger. Coming, Whoa. Whether it's a bestseller. Listen, when I come back on, so the book drops on February 5th and I'm going to come back on, I'm going to be like a recidivist guest. We have Jack to. On and Benjamins. Amen. You know? and, um, <laughs> and I was just telling you before we went on the air how much work it was. So mainly I want to come on and complain about how much work it was. No, I'm just kidding. I think like you, like you get such great joy when you can help someone out and you hear the the feedback that you get. And so I do have that on my radio show. I've had my podcast, by the way, we're changing a little bit of the podcast too. It's just for little tease right there. Oh, oh yeah. So what's kind of fascinating about it is that I really never thought that I was going to write a book because. I thought there's plenty of books out there, but then people would say to me, like, just the way you approach this, it's slightly different. You have an interesting background. Maybe you should think about writing a book. And I couldn't figure out the book to write. So it literally took me 12 years to write this book. I'm not kidding you. The reason it did is that I wanted to figure out like what is it that's different about me. And I think besides my sparkling personality and the fact that I'm 5'11 and Jewish, all of those put together, the part that I think is fun and, and worth exploring is that I don't judge people when they make a financial mistake. I really don't. It's just not my thing. What I'm very clear about is that there are certain blind spots that we all have. And so the name of the book is The Dumb Things Smart People Do With Their Money. Many of you people out there, you're smart, you're accomplishing your careers, you do all these great things, but you feel like just can't quite get it right on your money. And I'm going to explain to you the 13 things the financial wrongs, and then we're going to try to help you right those wrongs.
0: We got to peel off like maybe one or two of those at the end of January, just before the book drops. That would be awesome.
5: All right. I'm happy to do that. That
0: is fantastic. Okay. You know, Jill, nobody listens to the show, so you can just leave here what's changing with the Better Off podcast. Why don't you just tell, you know?
5: Uh, You know what? I'm going to tell you. The Better Off podcast is going to be renamed, and it's going to be the exact same name as my radio show because we thought, you know what? Jill on money is really what I am. And I want you to be better off. Don't get me wrong, but it's Jill on money. It launches, it relaunches. Uh, so anyone who's subscribed to better off will just come on over. The feed will change the cover art's changing. I think it's a better picture of me really. That's the only reason I did this. I just wanted a, I wanted an updated picture, you know, I mean, for God's sakes, why do I had to live with this picture where I don't like my hair was, I don't know what I was thinking.
0: There's a piece of Jill Schlesinger, just a little tiny piece that might be a diva.
5: You know, I would love actually to at some point be a diva. I'm going to learn. I I am surrounded by people who are often shocked that I'm not a diva, <laughs> but I laughing. found myself to be a funny diva in, a, in a recently <laughs> where, okay, I'm going to just say this to you and the millions of people who are downloading this. <laughs> I was going on television. I turned and I said, oh my God, my hair looks like crap. And I ran back in and got my hair redone. And I said, Oh my, how did I become this person? I was a jock who, you know, all I did was play sports. I wore blue jeans and a t-shirt every day and a high, my hair was in a high ponytail for four years. So mom, you're right. You have now extracted great revenge on me for that period of time.
0: <laughs> and anybody who knows you, knows you clearly. Are not, I don't think there's a diva boat in your body, Jill. Jill Schlesinger, thanks for ending 2018 with us. Happy new year.
5: Happy new year. And thank you so much. And thank you to everybody who uh, listens to stacking Benjamins. We're going to have you on our air when you come back to New York. Cause I love having you in the studio when we rebrand the podcast.
1: Amen. Thank you. Hey there stackers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and welcome to the brilliance behind this whole show me, but more specifically, my incredible trivia and not just any trivia the last trivia of 2018 no time for a moment of silence though I've got a party going on over at Gertrude's to get to so let's have some trivia about that drink we all pop open and toast at midnight champagne and no I'm not talking about the champagne of beers or the one in Illinois but the real deal Here's today's year ending questions. When someone practices sob rage tonight at the big party with champagne, what exactly are they doing? I'll be back with the answer and maybe an answer that isn't as adult themed as you may think or even hope for in just a moment.
0: this is it later this week you're going to receive the brand new stacker if you're somebody that signed up for that if you haven't i want to tell you one last time about what we're doing this year see i wrote a book i wrote it over a long period of time so the tone was inconsistent it was a mess But the information inside of it was solid. Every chapter is concise and hard-hitting, which, as you know, is kind of the opposite sometimes of our show. So, it wasn't on point with the overall Stacky Benjamins message, and I thought, hmm, I've got over 100,000 words of stuff here. Really, over 130,000 words of stuff, and it's good stuff. What do I do with it? You know what we decided to do? We're going to break it up into 52 weeks And give it to you as the stacker week by week. You'll receive tips on how to make your money better. We're going to begin at the beginning and over the course of a year, once each week, you're going to receive some great tips. Now, on top of that, you'll also get other timely emails. If we take the show on tour this coming year and sad to say, I don't think we're going to actually go on tour, but we are going to have meetups. And right now we're targeting four to six cities where we'll have meetups. We also are going to have some special things going on here in the basement and you'll be able to receive first all of that information as well. In fact, in the first week, we'll probably have a cool piece of information that we're just about ready to share and we do it on the stacker first. So if you're somebody that wants to start off the new year on the right foot, you want to change your money game in baby step increments. This is the way to do it. Stack Benjamins.com forward slash stacker 52 money lessons. In 52 weeks. com forward slash stacker gets you there to sign up.
1: Welcome back, champagne lovers. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and yes, my loves, it's time. It's time for my incredible trivia answer. Much like they'll be counting down the final seconds in Times Square, Paris london sydney and texarkana seriously the last time we'll be counting it down here you have my permission to count down the last seconds of my trivia for 2018 here was the question before the break i asked you this when someone practices sabrage tonight at the big party with champagne what exactly are they doing i don't even know what i'm doing but if you answered something disgusting no (laughs) No, no, people. Do not pass go. No 200 dineros for you. But if you answered, opening the sham pod I don't know how you pronounce that word. Opening that bottle with a saber, you'd be absolutely correct. According to the foremost expert in this area, which is, of course, Wikipedia, to practice sob rage... The Saber Wielder slides the saber along the body of the bottle to break the top of the neck away, leaving the neck of the bottle open and ready to pour. The force of the blunt side of the blade hitting the lip breaks the glass to separate the collar from the neck of the bottle. One does not use the sharp side of the blade, amateurs do that. The cork and collar remain together after separating the neck. Did you get the answer right? (laughs) You totally did not. But if you did, maybe you really are a lover of the finer things in life. Get it wrong? Come on over to the New Year's party here in the basement. We got plenty of non-sobraged champagne to go around. See ya!
0: Near midnight, we always have to take the saber out of Doug's hand.
2: (laughs) I think you ought to take it out about 6 p.m. tonight. Just to be safe and he starts asking who wants a duel it's time to uh do something different
0: it's interesting that jill spent so much time with jobs being up this year that was great news with the federal reserve and with obviously the stock market i was also thinking there's some other things og out there like you know the fires in california and up the the west coast i think some some uh Horrible lessons about how the disaster never hits when you hope it will, which is never.
2: Big big hurricane in uh, the panhandle. Big hurricane.
0: In October. Yeah. There's some insurance lessons. We didn't get to those, but big thanks to Jill for hanging out with us. 2018 just seems like it was a tumultuous year. You know, the other thing about 2018, OG, from, from where I sit for stacking Benjamins, it was really a fun year. I mean, for you and I, going out and uh, doing the three-city tour, something we'd never done before, thought that was quite a blast. Very fun. Some of the meetups we had, great meetup in uh, Seattle last year that was a lot of fun. Uh, Phenomenal meetup with the Choose FI guys in Philadelphia. We had a lot of fun in Philly. Big year for us. So thanks to everybody who came out and hung out with us this year. Hey, let's throw out the even Lifeline one last time. for 2018 we're going to tackle some of life's most important questions our friends like your own over at haven life insurance agency they put what you value first
2: right now it's those little uh oreo cake ball things that i just got as a gift which are fantastic
0: i i feel like i'm working out harder every single day just to maintain during this uh-huh. holiday season i'm just like yeah. no i should probably run a couple extra miles today because yep yeah not not great well, it's your loved ones and your time. And obviously, hopefully, you're spending a lot of time with loved ones this time of year. It's why they may buy quality term life insurance. It's actually simple. Head to stackyourbedjamins.com forward slash Haven Life now to get a free quote. Their application simple and online. You get an instant coverage decision. Their policies are affordable. They're all issued by parent company Mass Mutual. More than 160-year-old insurer. No waiting several weeks for a decision. stackyourbedjamins.com forward slash Haven Life. Interesting, by the way, having your own here. A lot of people may not know that the innovation that your own's done to even bring that company to life and say, Hey, what are all things that are bad in insurance? Uh, just a phenomenal story that if you have time, you may want to go look into because uh, what a neat company. But today Russell is going to help us celebrate new year's with his question. Hey, Russell.
3: Hey guys, this is Russell from California. I have two questions. One, when I was 26, I was told to open up a life insurance, whole life, $100,000 life insurance policy on myself, and it would be a great investment for the future. The more that I learn, the more I see, it really doesn't seem to be as good as many other avenues. My question is, is because I've been contributing to it for so long, do I just keep pushing ahead and in for a penny, in for a pound? Or do I uh, stop digging myself a hole and just take the money that I do put in every month and put it somewhere else? My second question is, Is I have about $12,000 in a mutual fund uh, that I put about $35 a day into, and I keep hearing about Roth IRAs. And I want to know, why can't I just hold all my money in my mutual fund? Is there something I'm missing out on? Anyways, super love the show really excited about this free t-shirt. Thanks guys.
0: <laughs> I love it with the, with the free T you can hear it in his voice, man. When the free t-shirt is the highlight of your week, it, it yep. might be time to get a hobby.
2: $35 a day going into a mutual fund.
0: How great is that?
2: That's pretty sweet. I wonder if he's actually doing it daily.
0: You want to start with uh, this one though, because this is, this is a great question because a lot of people don't understand the difference between a mutual fund and a Roth IRA. And the cool thing, Russell, is you can probably do both depending on your income.
2: think of it this way. The mutual fund is the bucket that's holding your money, and you get to choose what type of bucket you have. You've chosen a mutual fund bucket. That's fine. You could use an ETF. You could use stock, whatever. The Roth IRA or IRA or HSA or whatever the case may be, that's just the umbrella that you hold above the bucket. And it shields you from the rain of taxes. Huh. What do you think about that analogy? Get it? It was like a double entendre using the word rain, R-A-I-N, and then rain, R-E-I-G-N of taxes. Like you're,
0: you're getting crazy. <laughs> it's,
2: it's cr- you're crazy. It's
0: like 2018 yeah. ends on you showing off your ninja-like skills of, of crazy. Well, maybe
2: next year will be the year you actually learn something. Maybe. Maybe. Okay. So It could uh, be.
0: It could be. That could be our so, New Year's uh, resolution uh, ah, that 2019, we will teach something.
2: That's the year. And if not next year, then maybe the year after. Well, One of these years coming up. It's coming. So a Roth IRA is, is a tax shelter. And inside of a Roth IRA, you can put anything you want. And the benefits of a Roth are simply that that money doesn't ever get taxed again for the rest of your life or for anybody else's life that inherits it. So... Right now, you look at your investment account. So you got $12,000. You say, well, I'm not paying any taxes on that now. Nah, kind of. You kind of sort of are. Every year, you might get a distribution, a, a dividend in the mutual fund, or you get a capital gain statement uh, at the end of the year. And so that shows up in your tax forms. You pay a little bit of taxes for that. The bigger tax, of course, is in 35 years from now when you don't have 12000 but you have 200000 and you cash it out to live on for the year. And you've put in fifty grand, but it's worth two hundred, and now you have to pay income taxes on the gain. So a Roth is nothing more than a place to shelter all that from the taxes. So there's rules about how much money you can make and that sort of thing to contribute to it, but it might be something to consider. The great news is, is if you haven't contributed to a Roth and you go, oh, crap, it's December 31st, you have all the way until your tax filing deadline of next year, so April 15th of 2019 to contribute to your Roth for 2018. So you can kind of learn a little bit more about it. Related to the life insurance, frankly, it is a really great investment for a really long time. It's just not a really great investment for a really long time for you. It turned out to be a really great investment for a really long time for the life insurance salesperson. Right. (laughs) So there there was some truth to that. I didn't exactly specify who was getting the lifelong benefit. But um, here's the biggest thing when it comes to whole life insurance versus term insurance. The biggest difference is the time that you have the insurance. So you look at it and you say, well, how long do I have whole life for? Guess what?
0: Um, for for four years. Whole life. Are you
2: yeah, crazy? It's, written right in the ti- it's right in the title, dude. Like, you can't miss that one. <laughs>
0: That's so amazing. And
2: Guess how long you have term insurance for, for a
0: set? The whole thing. For a set whole thing,
2: close, close, very close. It's 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 right in the title again. For a, a set, set term,
0: for a set variable set amount of time. Oh, a set term. S-
2: a set term. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Really close. So whole life or term, and that's how long the insurance is good for. The idea of whole life insurance sounds really good. Like I'm gonna get insurance when I'm nice and young and healthy, and I'm 25, and I'm impenetrable, and then and then when I'm old, and then I really need it, I, you know, I'm gonna have it. But the reality is, is that your life insurance life cycle, so to speak, like when you need it, when you don't need it, it changes over time. It's not going to be a static $100,000 amount. I have three kids, big mortgage. I need lots of life insurance right now. When my kids get older and go through college and my house is paid off, I don't necessarily need as much. So term insurance is a really good tool for that because you you can insure for the length of time that you need. If something happens to me or my wife right now, God forbid we got everything covered. But in 20 years from now, I don't need the life insurance that I have today. So it expires. And I'll have different insurance at that point. The problem with canceling a whole life policy is that there's no guarantee that you'll ever get insurance again, which is kind of a little bit of the marketing ploy that they use at the very beginning of this thing. So I think the best way to handle this is to start with the beginning part of the purpose of life insurance. What do you need it for? Does somebody rely on you for support, or do you owe somebody else money? And if that's the case, then you have to figure out how much life insurance you need. Maybe you need a hundred thousand. Maybe you need a million. Maybe you need three million. Then search for what is the best tool to use for that term. Now you may choose to say, "Hey, I, I need. I figured it out. I need million dollars of life insurance to pay for my mortgage and my kids to go to college. I've got this hundred thousand dollars. That's not cutting it. I can go on." Haven and get a million-dollar term insurance policy for $30. bucks. i am going to do that, and I'm going to cancel this other one. Perfectly fine. The biggest thing to remember is this. Don't cancel your existing policy until the new one is in force and paid for, because you might not be able to get it back. Canceling it should be very simple if that's the route you choose to go, which is just to call the insurance company and say, I've got X dollars in cash value there. Send me a check. Maybe a little bit of tax problems. Probably not. I would be very, very, very surprised there. And you also want to be aware of the fact that what you see as cash value may not be what you get back. Because there's a different line item in there called surrender value. Surrender value is what you're going to get after they take their fees out.
0: Yeah, it sounds like Russell doesn't even doesn't even know uh, just based on his question that there is cash value inside of that policy. There should be, maybe there's not, but,
2: um, yeah, maybe not. Yeah.
0: Yeah. But there, but there very well should be some cash inside of that policy that, uh, he'll be able to get it, which is how whole life insurance works. You pay a lot more early on in the policy years so that later on you hear this term that the policy is paid up. The policy is never actually paid up. There's always a cost of insurance. You just stuff extra money in it when you're young so that later on you don't have to pay. Um, yeah. and that's originally, that's what the cash value was for until insurance right. agents decided it was a great way to save for retirement, which yeah. which was totally not- For their that, retirement. Yeah. They
2: just never said, whose retirement? <laughs> Who's it's reti- a really great way to save for my retirement.
0: Yeah. So the whole concept of whole life means that you probably have some cash there, Russell. So you can call the insurance company, find out about that. You can also find out about those surrender charges by reading your policy So let's say that it's 10 years until you can get 100% of your cash value out and you're at nine and a half years. Maybe you wait six months. I don't know. You got to look at the cost benefit of all those things.
2: Yep. Biggest thing, start with the end in mind. Go to Haven. They've got a great life insurance calculator there, uh, which I just used actually a couple weeks ago for a client. Loved it. You put in some information. It gives you a, a quick amount of here's how much life insurance you need. And then from that point forward, you can decide what to do with this existing policy.
0: Thanks for the question, Russell. Russell is taking home a Greatest Money Show on Earth shirt. Uh, We will send him the code for that shortly. Most Ricky tick. Yes. We also get letters here in the basement. Brody wrote in, Brody's not getting a Greatest Money Show on Earth t-shirt because that's only when you call the Haven Lifeline. But he will be the answer to a trivia question. What's the last question Joe and OG answered in 2018? Ah, okay. Brody says, uh, hi guys, graduated a year and a half ago and have about $32,000 of student debt at a 4.5% interest rate and $8,000 vehicle loan at 7%. I've been working for a while now and have about $23,000 spread around, $5,000 in exchange traded funds, $8,000 in cash and $10,000 in a TFSA with some stocks and cash. I live where buying properties unattainable for a long time. I'm unsure how to proceed with my next five years of saving versus paying off loans and setting myself up. Any advice would be awesome. Thanks for the question, Brody. If he has a TFSA, you know what that means? Brody's writing us from Canada.
2: Oh, Canada, eh? Okay there. And B.
0: We got we to gotta make sure we put on our Canadian accent so Brody understands the answer. No, that'd be absolutely horrible. My Canadian's so bad. Yeah, but, you betcha. Okay, there. Uh, okay, but but get bro-
2: some beers. Go down to the beer store and get some beers.
0: You you are sounding more like Minnesota than. Uh,
2: is there a difference?
0: I, I Minnesota, Canada. Yes. So, but Brody, I mean, what do you think about? Uh,
2: oh, this is grotesque, man! A seven percent car loan, and you got five grand in your mutual fund account. Here's the funny thing, dude. You got your butt kicked in interest for arbitrage this year. The whole idea, what you went into the beginning of the year thinking was, <laughs> market's killing it, man. I'm going to put all this money in my brokerage account, my ETF account, and it's going to be fantastic because I'm going to get 10%, but my car loan's only 7 So, bam, I'm going to be the smart guy on the block. And then the market went down. And if you had international stocks, market went down 20%. But the interest rate on your car is still seven. And the interest rate on your student loan is still four and a half. So love, love, love the guaranteed money of paying off your debt. So the next five-year plan is start paying off your debt super, super, super fast. If you've been out of work for... I'm sorry, out of school for a year and a half and you've saved all this money, that means you have the ability to do it. You know, you said you saved what $25,000 in a year and a half. I mean, we're talking about... Better part of another year and a half. I bet you could have all this cleared up, and then you don't have that hanging over your head the rest of your life. So get that car paid off first, and then get all the student loans paid off second. Then go back to your savings plan, and if you've got a retirement plan through work that has you know some guarantees associated with it, matching or something like that, then you want to contribute to that. But everything above that, you've got your cash reserve done. Check, plow money into the into the uh, into the debt payoff.
0: Would you take some of that $8,000 cash that he has now and put that toward the vehicle loan and then just replenish the emergency fund?
2: I would take the $5,000 ETF account. Yeah. Yeah, I like the cash where it is. Cash is cash. That's good. Just leave it. But I would take the extra five grand and dump it on the student loans. Or I'm sorry, on the car loan. On
0: the car loan. Gotcha.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah, thanks for the question, Brody. Got a question for OG and I head to stack and across the top of the page, you'll see questions for the show. Click that link and there you'll have it. Obviously of the two ways to go the Haven lifeline the one that scores you the greatest money show on earth shirt. That's going to do it for today. Hey, and that's also going to do it for our time here in Texarkana. It's been a great decade in Texarkana. Thanks to all my friends here. We're going to miss my friends here in town. And so, on behalf of mom, thank you to this lovely little community. But Detroit, they have no idea, OG. They have no idea.
2: Yeah, they don't. You're right. I mean, when we were downtown a couple of months ago, painted the town. It was crazy. Five guys walking around, looking at all the sites, taking pictures. Man, we look crazy.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Crazy middle-aged picture takers. (laughs) I know.
2: Whoa, look at that tall building. Snap. Hey, stand in front of the tall building.
0: Click. Check us out. We must be in the C-I-T-Y. Yeah. All right. That's going to do it uh, for today. By the way, if you're somebody that needs help in your financial corner in 2019, ready to put your team together for 2019, head to stackofbedjamins.com forward slash O-G to learn how O-G and his team can Join your team in 2019. All right, let's stick a fork in this thing. Happy New Year, OG.
2: Happiest of New Year. to you. I'm going on vacation. I'll see you later.
0: I am uh packing the U-Haul. <laughs> so we.
2: <laughs> oh, I, look at the time. I love. Time. I love how get out of here.
0: Love how it's U-Haul packing time and you're on vacation.
2: Out Eight. of town. <laughs> Been really busy. Busy, busy, busy. Doug,
0: take it from here, man. What should we have learned
1: today? So what did we learn today? First, take some advice from Jill Schlesinger. Worried about a bumpy ride? That's the reason to not make a move. Stay the course. Second, thinking about getting some health apps for your phone or wearable device? Well, as your Ben Z says, those may be great. But if your insurance company asks you for that data, well, Ask yourself what the trade-off really is between you and the insurance company. But the big lesson? Do not let OG pick the champagne for your New Year's party. What is this Dom known crap got? Really? Oh my God, that guy is a diva. He is so high maintenance. Look, I'm going to go chuck this and just get some of that $3 special champagne stuff down at the corner store. It's pretty darn good. I'm sure you're all going to thank me. Special thanks to Jill Schlesinger for joining us today. You'll find Jill's podcast, Jill on Money, wherever you're listening to this show. Thanks also to Own Ben Z for joining us. Check out Haven Life using our link at stackingbenjamins.com forward slash Haven Life. This show was created by Joe Salcihi, produced by Richie Rudder-Reese, and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Online, visit us on Twitter at, at SBenjamin'sCast or on our Facebook page. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and if you could only know what it really smells like down here. SB Podcasts may receive payment on the show from sponsors and guests in the form of books, giveaway items, discounts, or other remuneration. There's no way you would take advice from these dorks, but like Joe's mom always says, don't take advice from people you don't know. This show is for entertainment purposes only, and before making any financial moves, consult with a real financial advisor. As we finish packing up the basement, thanks to the people of Texarkana for their kind hospitality for the last decade, as we move north tomorrow, there's always going to be a piece of this town that stays with us. Unless, of course, that medicine starts to work, then we'll be good. No, I'm just kidding, Texarkana. We love ya. And from Gertrude, Joe's mom, OG, Joe, and obviously foremost from me, Happy New Year to you and yours. Here's to a prosperous 2019 for all of us. Cheers!
0: Welcome to the after show. This is the part of the show that doesn't exist. So OG tells me that there's this uh, 5K down at the zoo that he wants to run. And so I went and ran it with you and Mrs. OG.
2: Yeah. Well, I think we did two together because I remember I have two distinct memories. And one was the zoo one. Yeah. So you take off like a bat out of hell and you're gone. And I'm running with my wife. And I'm just, you know, we're having a good time and chatting or whatever. And she's like, "Hey, I know you want to run faster, so you can you can go ahead." And I'm like, "No, it's fine." I'll, you know, she's like, no, "No, no, no, I know you want to go faster, so you just go. I just can't run as fast." Um, okay, fine. So I go do 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 my thing, and here's the finish line, right? I can see it, and it's like around this corner. So I stop and I'm waiting, and I see you're coming, you know, and I'm just waiting waiting for my wife to catch up to me so we can go and she passes me in a dead sprint <laughs> Boom, gone and so i start trying to catch up to her. I'm like hey did she see she's you like, did she even see you oh yeah she knew exactly what who i was yes she knew exactly what she was doing too it was totally the tortoise and hare thing and then so she wins basically by by a good amount because i mean she's in a dead sprint and i'm at the end of a 5k yeah like I'm tired. You know, I don't want, you know, I was just going to jog it the rest of the way in with her. Yeah. And she's like, oh, hey, the last thousand meters, man, you got to really kick it. Maybe kick hold,
0: it maybe, year. maybe hold hands across the finish line. Yeah. We we're going to do something. Like A lot of people I, do. That, right.
2: That's what I was going to do anyway. But, uh, she so, torches so, you. She absolutely so torches you. She won. Yep. <laughs> she's right by me. The next one, which is so funny. Cause I get to, I'm like, what the hell? You know, she's like, what? I was, I was kicking the last 500 meters, man. You got to really, You got to really. She like turns like totally competitive, you know. <laughs> like, sorry, you couldn't keep up, man. I'm like, can't, couldn't keep up. I was done twenty minutes ago. Anyways, That's, the uh, other one I remember was the one I did with you, and it finishes uphill. There's a last little bit where you have to. It's in that. Uh, it's in, in near the town you used to live in, or something like that, if I remember. But yeah, this one you started actually running with me, and you went, "All right, dude, seriously, we need to start running faster, or I need to go." Like about a hundred meters into it, <laughs> I'm like faster. This is as fast as my little legs go, man. What are you talking about? I'm like in a dead sprint. Oh, this was, this so, was
0: like the Lions Club 5k.
2: Something like that. Yeah. So you go, you do your thing and I'm trying to like have a good race. <laughs> and I get to the end of this race and you're sitting at the bottom of the hill that I have to climb that you've already done. You did it, came back down the hill. It's a and monster you're like, hill. You're like, let's go. And I'm like, what? You have to run up this thing. And so you ran up it again with me. But of course, faster than me because I'm not a fast runner. And, uh, so <laughs> that was the end of my five K career. My two five Ks, my wife beat me in a BS race. And then I just can't hang with you. You're just too.
0: Yeah. Right. I had a friend, I had a friend, uh, Patrick in high school that I would always finish. And then I would go back and I'd run with Patrick and help him finish. Cause he was not a natural runner. And the way our course was laid out, you'd, run across a field into a little wooded area. And then the wooded area, you just kind of do a button hook and then come right back into the field. So I could easily run across a little bit of the field and then run through the woods and then back out the field, you know, to pick up Patrick. Mm-hmm. So, so I finish my race. I go over and here's, here's Patrick. And and he goes, Oh man, I don't feel very good. I'm like, "Oh, you're going to do great, you know?" I'm Joe positive, thinking everything's going to be fantastic. He's like, "No, man, I don't feel great." And 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 Patrick can be kind of a whiner. So I'm just giving him the old college, "Come on, you're going to be great." And so he goes all the way through the through the woods. Just, "Yeah, yeah, I'm not feeling it, man. I'm not feeling it." I'm like, "No, you're going to be great." We come out of the woods, we run down this little hill, and now we're at the finish line area where there's you know, not hundreds of people, but everybody's mom and dad is out there. Mm-hmm. Her, and uh we, we get about halfway down where the biggest concentration of people are. I'm like, come on, man, kick it in. He's like, he's like, no, I can't. And I go, yeah, yes, you can, man. I'm tired of this. Kick it in. And he looks at me, goes, no, I can't. <laughs> And just just barely misses me with this projectile vomit. It was oh, that's so
4: fun. Good. That's that's special.
0: And then I'm standing over him, going, "Yeah, maybe you can't get up,
2: get up, <laughs> no. get up." Finish line's right there.
0: You know, Cheryl and I met as junior high track coaches, and one of the uh, one of my sayings always was, "Go ahead and puke; you'll feel better." Mm-hmm. They made me a card. And on the card, it was coach's top 10 favorite sayings. And number 10 was, you run better when it's cold. Number nine was, you run better when it's hot. Number, <laughs> number eight was, go ahead and puke, you'll feel better. It's like, all of the, coach is too cold. Coach, it's too hot. Coach, I feel like I'm going to puke. Go ahead and puke. It's It was all yeah. those. Just whatever they said, you just go, yeah, that's uh, yeah good stuff. Have uh, you ever
2: been sick after a race or during a race?
0: I got to the point that... I would be so wound up in college and in my, when the races got really big in high school that, uh, I would always throw up after the race beforehand
4: or the, no
2: before or after I'd
0: always do it after. Now, when I got to college, uh, a friend of mine in college would throw up before the race. He was so wound up and he was a way mm. better runner than I was, but he would, he, he would get nervous if he didn't puke before the race. Is that bizarre?
2: Mm. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Yikes. I bet some football players are like that. You know? I bet there's some but there's athletes in other sports that just get so wound up ahead of time. It was funny. I was watching um I was watching the New Orleans Saints having a heck of a season this year. I was watching them warming up for a game just here recently. And uh watching Drew Brees before the game. You could tell he was nervous, you know? You could yeah. you could see the nerves on his face even though they're having a hell of a season. He's Arguably the best quarterback right now in the NFL. And he uh and the dude looked nervous as all get up. I want to change the subject here for a second for the end of the year. Any New Year's stories? Any classic New Year's tales?
2: I don't know that there's any any really fantastic ones. We uh we almost always host New Year's Eve at our house. I just don't like being out. Yeah. And I don't like people that much, to be honest with you. <laughs>
0: And you just have a couple of couples over, right? Locally.
2: Yeah. You know, we'll have somebody who's in the area or something like that. This yeah. year, my cousin's in town and his family. Cool. So we're going to hang out with them for a couple of days. But um, yeah, we usually, you know, try to make a little bit of a fancy dinner, watch the uh, the countdown on the TV. But we do like the Netflix one. That's at like 10. <laughs> <laughs>
0: I swear you're 120 years old. So <laughs> you know, we've
2: stayed up. My kids now are, are old enough that they'll, you know, they'll stay up. I think they did last year for the first time. But uh, yeah, it's the uh, live from it's London. King Ju- it's it's now it's King Julian from Madagascar. Hello, everybody. And they just count down
0: 10, 9. And you just start eight. it whenever the hell you want.
2: Yeah, that, that is. Hey, fun. look, happy new year. Everybody get out of my house. Time to go to bed.
0: We used to um, always host back when we had uh, a house. <laughs> we we would host uh, New Year's parties. We decided one year to have a murder mystery party. And so mm-hmm. we got the little kit, you know, for people that haven't played these before. They're pretty fun. Every act, you learn more about other people in the room, but you also learn more about yourself and everybody starts off knowing that a couple people in the room are kind of sketchy. And you're pretty clean. And by the end of every single one of these I've ever done, I'm like, I'm the biggest sleazeball ever. And there's a good chance that I did it because in every single one of these, except one of them uh, that I did, they don't tell you who did it. There was one, one of the ones that we bought where the person did know. And luckily the person who was the murderer was fantastic at it. Like they, they were supposed to lie and they were great at, but I've also heard that that particular type of murder mystery is very hard if you don't have the right person as the, as the murderer. But anyway, what happens is you do, you do a, uh, act one and you go through and you're pointing the finger at other people and you're talking to everybody else in the room. And I think there were maybe eight or 10 people at our house. And so you get a good feeling about it, but then you take a break and you get some more drinks, maybe some more derves, and then between the second and th- then you do it again. Then between the second, and third act, you usually have dinner, and then after the third act, everybody gets together in the dining room and then over dessert, you go around the table and one by one, you start pointing fingers and, and give your final guess as to who you think did it. Right. So my buddy Rob, who every every group of friends has that friend, has the friend that um, you've heard that saying before, the one that says, if you don't think your group has a Rob, then you're the Rob right? Mm -hmm. You're, yeah you're that friend that everybody talks about. So Rob, Rob is that guy.
2: Great guy, but
0: yeah, kind of depends on, (laughs) depends on the thing. But anyway, so Rob, Rob is going to go second. So the first person guesses, they say, I think that Deirdre did it. And the reason is, is that she's her character and Mike's character, you know, I think that there was some bad blood there. And I think because of that, he killed, you know, whatever, da-da-da, killed Mike's mom. And and uh, so I think Deirdre's character did it. We've got nine more people still to go. Rob is second. Rob says, I did it. And I said, because I played the game before, I'm like, no, 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 Rob. You're supposed to point the finger at somebody else. Like, it's fine if you think you did it, but you really want to try to point the finger at somebody else. He goes, oh, no, no, no. I totally did it. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, I just went to the bathroom with my book and I flipped ahead. I'm the murderer. Come
2: on, Rob. <laughs> ruin
0: the entire game. And that was, that was maybe, I'm going to say six or seven years ago. And that's that story that doesn't die now. Everybody that was in the room that night. No, I totally did it. It was me. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning.